Hello and a warm welcome to Living Fabulously with Bev. The mission for this show is to get to the heart of well-being through inspirational stories of everyday people, expert insights from a number of health and lifestyle related disciplines and exploration of topics that underpin well-being. If you want to take control of your well-being and prioritize yourself, then this is the podcast for you. I want you to feel calm, nurtured and inspired so you can enjoy your life and your success. Do you have a chronic illness and are overwhelmed with advice or conflicting information? My book, Hope in a Dark Tunnel, gives you actionable steps to create your path back to well-being and positivity, hope and resilience without false promises. Head to www.hopeinadarktunnel.com. Join me on this journey and let's live the fab life together. Hello and welcome. It's Bev and today my special guest is Sharon Falchuk. And Sharon has something profound to share with you today. Her journey is amazing. And so without a further ado, Sharon, welcome to you. Thank you so much, Bev. I'm so happy to be here. It's really an honor. So Sharon, let's talk about you and what it is that you do. Sure. So I am a functional medicine certified health coach. Um, So basically what that means is that I help people um, on their wellness journey. That could be someone who's in full-blown, you know, crisis mode, who's gotten a diagnosis and is not well, or it can just be someone who knows they don't quite feel right and that there's, you know, there's better for them in life. And so I kind of try to help them parse that out and figure that out. Beautiful. And let's talk about your well-being journey. Because often what we need to learn, we actually study, don't we? So, so true. <laughs> so true. Yeah, that's definitely my story. So really to go all the way back from a child, I really didn't feel well most of my life. Um, so I had tons of digestive issues mostly. Um, and then just weird aches and pains and kind of neurological stuff. So weird stuff with my vision and migraines when I was a second grader, which is not normal. Um, And at the time, you know, nobody knew what was going on with me. The times that my parents would take me to the doctor, the doctor would say she must have caught a virus. And it just kind of went on like that for my whole life until um, I had my son. And then within two years, I literally started to have all these weird symptoms until I was bedridden and couldn't, you know, couldn't function at all. Um, And so that kind of started also with digestive issues. I lost 25 pounds in four weeks. Um, and I was at a really critical point where I wasn't sure if I was going to live or not. And so I saw, I live in the Boston area. And so this is sort of known as the Mecca of healthcare. And I saw over 15 doctors here and all of them said, you know, there's nothing wrong with you. Here's some anxiety medication. You must have anxiety. You're just a nervous and stressed out mom of a toddler. Um, and so I was really dismissed. And in a lot of cases, actually, what I would call abused by the medical profession, um, medical industry. So I ended up finding a doctor who was sort of off the grid. Um, she doesn't take insurance and, and all that because she really specializes in taking care of people with mystery illnesses, what, what some people would call mystery illnesses. And so she tested me for a few things. Um, and it came back that I did have Lyme disease and um, candida overgrowth in my gut and in my, it actually was systemic at that point. Um, 
So, and then some other things going on, some co-infections for people who are, you know, well-versed in tick diseases. You know, there's a lot of other things on top of Lyme that can, can come with a tick bite. So it's interesting because my blood work showed that I had a new infection and an old infection. So that kind of helped me connect the dots of my childhood issues um, because I was born on Long Island in New York. And um, in the 80s, there were, we had ticks on us all the time um, and just really didn't think much of it back then. So uh, yeah, so it was, it was good to have an answer. But as a lot of people know, having an answer isn't everything because then that's sort of when, what, oh no, what do I do now happens. Um, and for me, I've always been a really hypersensitive person. And so I did, my doctor, the only thing she did really was antibiotics. And I tried that. And within seven days, I was in head-to-toe hives. Um, my, my mouth started to swell. That's when I knew I really couldn't go on with it is when my mouth started to, started to get swollen. Um, and I had to stop and go on Benadryl and try to bring that reaction down. Um, and so, you know, since that was the way she knew to treat Lyme, and I went to her and said, well, what do we do now? And she's like, we're in real trouble now. And, and that was one of the most hopeless days on my journey because... Um, it was also the day she informed me that since I probably did have Lyme from childhood that I could have passed it to my son while I, you know, cause, um, so I really literally Bev don't even know how I drove home that day. Like I don't even remember the drive. I was hysterical. I was a mess. Um, and feeling very hopeless at that point. So as things would happen, I feel like when you hit rock bottom and you kind of keep yourself open and I'm a very, um, spiritual person. I, you know, prayed a lot. And, and once I really kind of surrendered and opened myself up, it seemed like one step after the other started to present itself. And I got a phone call from my cousin's husband who said, I know an herbalist who actually is 15 minutes from you. And he has Lyme disease himself and specializes in treating people with Lyme. So that's when, um, you know, I went and saw him and, and got on an herbal protocol to treat the Lyme. But you know, backing up a few months before that, um, when I didn't have answers and I was so sick, I did my own research and had already gone to changing my diet, going gluten-free, dairy-free, sugar-free, and doing, you know, literally every moment that I could be awake and have my eyes open and be thinking straight. Because as some people with chronic illness know, like you can't always read a sentence and make sense of it. So when I could, I would spend all of my time researching. So I did kind of put together for myself that diet would be helpful. I started to see an acupuncturist. Um, you know, I started to go to all these alternative things because nobody in mainstream medicine was helping me. So thankfully I did have some of that in place when I met the herbalist, but really then it kind of took off from there. Wow. And so that journey, is it a continuing journey? You still needing to support yourself with herbs and other strategies? Yeah. So, I mean, I kind of think that, um, you know, being a sensitive person, again, I don't know if that would have been the case, whether I had Lyme disease or not. Some of us just, it's kind of part of, it's part of my whole thing in health coaching actually is this whole idea of um, that, that there are orchid people. So there are just some people who need extra care in life. Um, you know, some people are lower energy, some people, you know, there's all sorts of reasons for it. So you know, Lyme or not, I think I'm the type of person who needs to slow down in life, who needs extra time to do things, who needs extra care. So I don't take the herbs anymore. I did that for two and a half years. 
Um, so I wean myself off from the herbs. I still maintain the diet. I'm very, that is something that I really don't compromise on. And then as far as like maintenance goes, I do still see like my acupuncturist probably once a month or twice a month. And it's just, I went from it literally being my full-time job to now being more like of a part-time job. And it was, you know, me getting so well that I was able to go back to school and get the certifi certification in functional medicine. So, you know, I never foresaw that I would have my life back in any way, shape or form. And the fact that I could learn and, you know, finish a program and now have a career that I feel was really meant to be, that's kind of, I think, why this all happened is amazing. So I do have to, you know, take good care of myself, but I'm nowhere near the level of, you know, no medication and I don't have to do any of that anymore. Mm, that's wonderful to hear. Yeah. So pleased yeah. for you. <laughs> Thank um, you. So Sharon, it's been a difficult time, but what happened on the journey that you did not expect? So I think the biggest thing for me um, was learning how powerful the mind is. You know, it can be one of these things when you have chronic illness and especially when you're turned away a lot by doctors and they do say things to you like it's all in your head or you're making this up or whatever, you can be really offended to think that this is something in my head. You know, like it, it's kind of almost becomes a, like you push it away. But what I realized is that it's not all in my head, but my head can help me. You know what I mean is that I saw, I just kind of surrounded myself with positive examples of people who had used their minds to heal. And I actually did a program called the Dynamic Neural Retraining System. Um, to kind of try to remap my brain. Um, and because I learned that your, your body and your brain, when there's an injury or there's an assault of some, some sort, whether that's a bacterial infection like Lyme, whether that's a chemical exposure like mold toxicity or whatever it happens to be, you can, your body can sort of get on top of it and, and kind of have it in control or heal from it but your brain can still be thinking that there's a threat going on in your body. It can be locked in that fight or flight mode. So really working on changing my mind because my anxiety, I had such, such severe anxiety that just sort of ruled my life um, to a small degree before I got sick. But then it was like the Lyme, the secondary Lyme infection, just it took over and, and what it did to my gut, you know, we know the gut brain connection there. My anxiety was really out of control for a little while. So working on remapping my brain and working with, um, I also did um, EMDR, which is like an eye, it's, it's another kind of therapy, um, which I can explain if, if you're interested, but um, just these tools to kind of change my thinking, change my beliefs, change my outlook on how things were gonna turn out for me. I, I was just shocked that I, could, that I could move the needle on my anxiety to where I don't really have anxiety anymore not to the, not, you know, to any sort of, it doesn't disrupt my life in any way. So the biggest thing I learned is the power of mind body connection, um, which is why I've gone to certain trainings and courses to have that be sort of one of the biggest tools I use in the work that I do with people. Yeah. And that's the premise of my book, Hope in a Dark Tunnel, is that whilst, you know, I'm not talking about curing you from whatever ails you, but I'm mm -hmm. talking about being well inside of yourself, mentally resilient, emotionally resilient, and supporting yourself in the best way possible. So thank you for confirming 
that that's, <laughs> yes. that's a strategy. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about the strategies that allowed you to be resilient, both while you were ill and now that you deploy. Sure. So again, number one, I would say is diet. Um, that really, like I said, has been a constant for me. And there have been a few times that I've tried to maybe go outside of that. And, and I do see the difference. Um, I don't, again, don't do it very often, but definitely my keeping a healthy diet is huge for my wellness and then, and my resilience. Um, and then also definitely mind body medicine techniques. Uh, I really like to use one of my favorites and I, I encourage everybody to find what works for them because it's different for everybody. But one of my favorites is guided imagery and just using my mind to envision what I really do want, even when I'm in pain or I'm having a symptom of some sort, really using my mind to kind of take me away from that or to refocus and to have a different point of view. Um, so guided imagery is something that I can, it's, it's really great because once you kind of get the hang of it, you can employ it, you know, you can bring it out in any setting, anywhere you are, um, whether you're traveling or home, it doesn't, you know, you can use it anywhere. Um, and, you know, I still, I do really believe in uh, using alternative tools. So I, I love acupuncture. I love chiropractic. I love, you know, I've, I've kind of taken on the idea that I, I'm learning these tools and, and trying them out for my clients. So I'll go try anything. I, you know, just in this last year, no, I really will. Like for, you know, for the longest time, as you may be able to relate to is you do it out of survival. And now it's more that I do it out of, cause I'm so curious and I just want to see, you know, how it works. It's so, and you know, I'm so thankful I'm able to say that, that I've kind of crossed over from being desperate and trying everything and, and survival mode to now just being like, well, oh, I just want to find out the connection for why these things work in the body or for the mind or, um, so yeah, I'll try anything. I just did myofunctional therapy this past year. Um, you know, pelvic, pelvic floor therapy. I'll, you know, I've tried everything. So, um, so yeah, I think it's important to, see wellness as sort of a menu that you get to choose or a buffet that you kind of get to go and try something and see if it works for you. And if not great, that might work for somebody else. And then you kind of figure out, um, what else, but it is that, you know, the resiliency I think comes from the mindset and it's that life is fluid. You know, we change by the hour in the day, we change by the seasons, we're always changing. So you have to be accepting that we're not in control and that, you have the tools you need no matter what comes your way because life is still going to happen, but it's shifting from life happening to you to you knowing that whatever happens, you're going to be able to, you're going to be able to handle it. Yeah, I agree with that because when you are of that mindset, which I was, is that I felt safer controlling my world. And mm -hmm, so exactly. I was overscheduled, oversubscribed, all of these things. And it actually sucked the joy out of my life because, mm -hmm. you know, I was so focused on the plan that yeah. I wasn't living, you know. So I understand exactly what you're saying around that. So that's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. And Sharon, so how do you integrate your health, your life as a mum, mm -hmm. as a partner, your business? How do you integrate those things? Yeah, I have to say it's, it's definitely, I'm still in the learning process on that one. Um, and I do, I do find that you have to be willing to have an open mind with it because 
you can get so stuck in ruts. Like I find myself, especially I think when you're coming from chronic illness where you feel like you have to control every little thing to kind of stay on that fine line of surviving and getting through each day. So again, I've really had to shift out of that I don't have to work so hard anymore at those things to now being able to reallocate my time and energy to my job and to, you know, I, I was always unbalanced before I would say like, once I had a child, literally like 199% of me went into trying to protect him and do everything perfectly for him and be the perfect mother um, because I just loved him so much and was so concerned about his well-being that I was way out of balance right before I got sick, which is really no coincidence, I don't think. So getting sick really taught me that I need to re you know, like I need to give some here, give some there. So now, you know, I'm really a lot better about stepping away from one thing to give my energy to another. So to me, it's just about being aware. You know, I feel like I before was just sort of sailing along autopilot and doing what I had to do to stay alive and make it through. And now it's like, oh no, I can be intentional about what I do each day. Like I can start my day and be like, I will give all my attention until my son goes to school. Then I switch over to, you know, giving my attention to my work or socializing or supporting a friend or whatever that happens to be. And then nighttime rolls around. It's more like time for my partner and then, and my son until he goes to bed. And then, you know, it's just really about being intentional and being aware, I think, because I can I still catch myself. I, I do it, especially with my new job because it's new for me and I'm really overly excited about helping so many people and, and getting so much done in the day that then I find myself like, oh, hours have gone by and I'm like, you know, doing social media or I'm whatever. And so now I'm really learning, okay, don't go so extreme. Cause I did before I got sick, tended to be like an all or nothing person. Like I either threw everything into it or I didn't do anything. And, and, um, that also was not healthy for me. So now it's about, oh, catching myself. Now you need to shift focus and do something else now. So it's definitely a learning process. <laughs> <laughs> it is certainly. Yeah. yeah. And I think, isn't that life? It's, it's a learning process. So yeah. <laughs> why, why should it be different in our little corner yeah. of the globe? True. Let's talk about your business and tell me how you support women. Sure. So I'm really passionate about supporting women because I do feel like uh, a lot of women are passed off in, in the medical world. I feel like in mainstream medicine, you know, a lot of it is kind of passed off as you're hormonal or you're, you know, just a woman. And, you know, I'm starting to learn the concrete reasons why women are kind of more susceptible or more prone to some of these illnesses. You know, there are even genes. I have a gene that predisposes me more to things like Lyme and MS and neurodegenerative diseases. And it's important to know those things because then, you know, you can take steps to kind of, you know, assure yourself that that's, that's not the path you're going to go down because genes don't, genes don't equal your destiny. Thankfully we know that now, which is a beautiful thing. Um, so I really want to get out there and, and let women know, like there's real reasons that we get more of these sort of mystery illnesses that doesn't make you crazy. That doesn't make you in any way flawed. It just means we have to, we have to get in there and do some things a little more strategically than maybe men do. And the other, the other way that I really want to support women is um, after they have children, I feel like 
there's, it's really a gap right now when you're in the hospital and you give birth and they, they may be high level say like, oh, they say to your husband or your family, you know, keep an eye out for these telltale things that would signify, you know, postpartum depression. Nowhere did anybody talk about postpartum anxiety or any of the other manifestations that can happen, which is what happened to me. I didn't have the depression piece. I had the anxiety piece. So I was like, didn't want anyone touching my son. I just didn't want anybody around him. I was so afraid for his safety at all times that I was just like, I would stay up and just watch him sleep basically. And nobody, nobody explained to me that, that, that I wasn't alone in that. So I just felt very like weird and flawed. And I just sort of isolated myself because I felt so, so strange for feeling that way. And then, then the other piece is really physical after you give birth. You know, like I mentioned, I've been trying um, pelvic floor physical therapy and working with this practitioner to then try to get the message out in a broader way to women that you really should go have physical therapy after you have a baby because it really throws off your whole pelvic floor and your whole core. I didn't even know your pelvic floor was part of your core until I started seeing this, this brilliant practitioner. So again, it's just, I think we women have been so cut off from, you know, you're supposed to have the baby move on, you know, do what you're supposed to do. And you really need to, it's, I, I don't want to say like childbirth is like war, but I remember just being sort of like traumatized by the experience of birth going through sort of a PTSD of what did my body just do? What did it go through? The, the pain, the soreness afterwards. And just, I really want to educate women to know you need to take care of yourself in that period of time. Or I can't even tell you the number of women who have a baby and then within a year or two have an illness, you know, whether it's thyroid issues or, and that's another thing. I know my thyroid must've been totally messed up after I had my son. Cause I had classic thyroid symptoms. Nobody checked my thyroid. I went for the postpartum checkups. Nobody did blood work. Nobody checked. And I said, I don't feel right. But like, number one, people should be having their, women should be having their thyroids checked after they have a baby. So that's one of the things that gets thrown off. Um, your microbiome gets thrown off after you have a baby. I mean, there's so many things and women just are just expected to go just take care of this baby and just go on with life. And so that's how I want to support women is by educating them to take good care of themselves, especially after having a baby. Yeah, and that's so, uh, I love what you're saying there, Sharon, because if you think of it, yes, it is as nature intended. The yes. thing is, is that we are living in a different time. There are so many demands on us, uh, yep. both men and women. You know, it is just a fast pace of this world and trying mm -hmm. to care for an infant. I can remember saying, nobody gave me a manual. Yes. <laughs> I had read as many books as I could, but the yep. reality of a baby i had a baby two babies with terrible allergies for the first oh. two years and navigating that was incredibly stressful but because yeah. i was still in that mother perfection i was like trying to be mother Teresa to my child yeah um, yeah and i wasn't taking care of myself and i think that is what can happen that yeah. exacerbates what you're talking about so yeah yeah thank you for highlighting that yeah, you have that predisposition that you don't know about that's sort of under there. And then you push yourself to the limit and that just gives it an opportunity to, to come out. And, you know, you can't predict, like you said, your, your children having allergies. My son was the same. He had, you know, dairy and soy and it was figuring that out with his digestive issues. And it's so stressful and it's, not, it's nothing that you can prepare for because it's so unknown. So you really have to be able to work with it in the moment and take good care of yourself. Yeah. 
Mm. And like you say, you know, my, my, obviously my children are adults now, but in that time in, and I was in South Africa, there mm. was no support that I knew of until yeah. I met a friend who said, there's this new allergy society starting up. And wow. one, one woman had taken it upon herself to educate the rest of us. And she had recipes, she had all sorts of things. Remember, we at that time didn't have the internet. And yeah. so, you know, you, you just read what you could get on the bookshelf. You couldn't yeah. actually research stuff. So yeah. it was amazing. And I think also that's when I re realized the power that each of us have to create a movement. And that mm -hmm. for me is what I'm trying to do with my podcast is create a yeah. movement to support others so that all of us learn from one another and we create that space. So that's, that's where I'm about, but I'm interested, Sharon, is what's next for you? Yeah. So again, I just got my certification in January. So this is sort of all um, picking up fast for me and I'm just trying to get my feet on the ground, but and this is my first podcast, so I'm really excited about that. But yeah, I want to get the word out. You know, everywhere I go, I was talking to somebody about this earlier today. I'm kind of an open book about what I've been through because it is that feeling of I don't want anyone else to go through this alone. So as many people as I can reach is what I'm trying to do, you know, whether that be through podcasts like this. And I've gone around to like the natural food stores in my area and they've asked me to come in and do some talks and you know, I'm really just about kind of getting the word out to the masses because I feel like, especially for sensitive people who have chronic illness, it's an even harder road to navigate because, you know, like I was told, oh, we, we don't have any hope, you know, we're really in trouble now because you can't do the one standard way that someone knew how to do something. And so I just want people to know they have options. You know, I never, never, never prescribe or tell people what to do. That's out of my scope of practice. And it's out of, you know, what I think is morally right is to tell another person what to do. It's about helping people find, providing information and helping people make those decisions. You know, I'm not anti-vaccine or pro-vaccine. I'm pro-educate yourself and you make the decision, you know, with the information you have. So really my plan is to get out and do talks, to work with people one-on-one, -on -one, to do some groups. I'd like to do a stress reduction kind of group on the regular and do a book club because there's so many books that have just changed my life that I've read along the way. And I'm also collaborating with, um, it was a, another student in my program who was in my cohort and we're putting together um, an online program for people who have chronic pain. So she's a Feldenkrais practitioner. So she's got all the movement stuff down that she helps people with. Um, and I'm sort of doing the mindset and meditation piece of that. So we really, it's kind of like a body and brain program that people can sign up for online. And um, that's still in the beta phase. We're very much just in the beginning of that. So that's another way I want to help people is kind of maybe doing some programs and um, maybe someday writing a book. I would really like to do that about being sensitive in the world and trying to navigate that, you know, um, so yeah, I mean, I'm kind of, I'm just kind of exciting because at, I'm 38 and, you know, I was sort of locked into a, a profession before I had my son that I was sort of like, I kind of can't, I, I enjoyed aspects of it. I was a recruiter for um, a consulting firm and I liked the people aspect of it, but I didn't enjoy like the numbers. I've never been a numbers person and all that, the stri strategic planning kind of thing. So I never envisioned that at 38, I would be do. I would have found my 
calling my passion. And so that's just so exciting to me. I feel like I'm 20 again and in college and, you know, the world is my oyster kind of thing. So just excited to help people because I know what it's like, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Just to close our interview, I'd love to know then what are your tips for living fabulously? Sure. So first of all, I definitely believe in going out and finding, I've mentioned this, but mind body medicine, anything, you know, that can be journaling. It can be, um, there's so many options now. That's the great thing. Um, and yoga, you know, things like that, but really finding the thing that you love. Don't, you know, don't go out and do what some famous person is doing on their website. You know, I don't believe in that. I believe in finding what really lights you up. If there's something that you're dreading to go do as a self-care thing, I kind of say don't do it because again, I know the mind, the power of the mind-body connection. And if you do find things that make you happy and bring you joy, then that's that has such healing power. So I say, you know, try to go out and do those things that bring you joy. Also, you know, it's simple things. Um, again, everything I do is with a really gentle approach. So it's staying hydrated. I mean, I can't tell you the number of people when I have them just, they say, oh yeah, I drink enough water. I suggest they measure it out in the morning and see how much they really are drinking. And once they start drinking enough, they're shocked. I really wasn't drinking that much water. And when they do, like so many of their symptoms literally resolve, whether that's headaches, body pain. I mean, staying hydrated, I just can't say enough about how important that is. And it seems silly, but that's one way I live fabulously is I keep myself hydrated. And sleep is another major one that I need to, I, I, that's, that's again, another one that I'm constantly working on because I do tend to stay up late at night. But when I do like yoga nidra, which is a bedtime kind of yoga and, and really make a routine out of it, my sleep is so much better. So that's another thing to prioritize is sleep, you know, um, and just being kind to yourself again, being chronically ill. I made a joke before that it was a full-time job for me, but it can be, it can feel like that. It can feel like a grind. It can wear you down. And so really it's just about, okay, you want to stay up late tonight and watch that show. Give yourself a pass because you know, life is hard with a chronic illness and don't do it all the time, but just cut yourself some slack. If you know, you didn't do everything quote unquote perfectly that you were supposed to do today for taking your medication or whatever that happens to be is not to beat yourself up just to really be, you know, compassionate towards yourself. I think that's one of the biggest ways we can go out and live fabulously is by being kind, not just outwardly, but inwardly and really being understanding towards ourselves. Fabulous. Thank you for those tips. Yeah. You can find Sharon at her website. It's intendedholisticwellness.com and also on Facebook under the same name. And these will be in the show notes for you. And Sharon, thanks so much for being with me today. Oh, thank you, Bev. It's almost as if there's a mirror journey. And I love that we are both working towards supporting other women to make choices for themselves that actually have them being curious about what they found in front of themselves, you know, being open to possibility, really understanding that they have the opportunity to change their course, whether they have the, in my book, I talk about, you know, naming the beast. We often Mm -hmm. in the Western medicine is so fixated on naming what's wrong with us and we wait and we don't take any action. 
but there is a lot of action you can take even if you don't have a diagnosis yet to get yourself to that point of well being a well being and i'm yeah. emphasizing being because you know the illness doesn't define you and what we want is for you and i know that you would share this too sharon is what we want for you is to be whole and integrated yes. So yeah that's what and happy yes exactly and <laughs> yeah, all those yeah. beautiful because when you're feeling whole and integrated happiness comes naturally yeah because you're, you're in alignment with yourself and even though you may still be navigating your chronic illness you will yeah. find it much easier to do so thank you yeah. so much for being with me you're today so, <laughs> you're so welcome and just to know you're not alone that's another yes. thing i want everybody to know is that and when we all help each other out, it's so much easier. Yeah, beautiful. Thanks for being with me today. Thank you, Bev. Thank you so much for listening. And I would love to know what you enjoyed most about this episode. You can connect with me on Facebook by searching for Living Fabulously with Bev or feel welcome to leave a message or comment on my website. You can get the links and any references from this episode in the show notes at my website, www.livingfabulously.com forward slash podcasts. Do you have a friend who you think deserves to live fabulously? Spread the love around by sharing the podcast with them right now. Until next time, be sure to live the fab life. The information shared here and in our programs and webinars should not be seen as medical advice and is not meant to take the place of seeing licensed health professionals.